we've been seeing so much bad news out there. Everything we hear about is about the economy and how bad it is. But I want to talk about your personal economy because I think what we have to do is we have to differentiate between the two. Welcome to the Market Call Show, where we discuss what's happening in the markets and the impact on your investments. Tune in every Thursday on Apple Podcast, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to the Market Call Show. I'm super excited to share one of the most important topics we've ever covered. You might recall that when the midterm elections were looming, the media went bonkers. It was like a big tornado of noise. It distracted everyone from what really mattered, their own personal economy. And guess what? We're probably heading into a crazy period right now, a crazy period of noise and uncertainty. So you might want to brace yourself for concerns. You know, you're already hearing about the debt ceiling, political shenanigans, presidential candidate announcements, inflation worries, banking troubles, interest rate changes, the Federal Reserve. It goes on and on. It's all over the place. So here's what I decided to do. I decided to gather a bunch of recordings that I did. I called these recordings the summer shorts. And I packed them all into this one single episode. So you'll get back-to-back -back doses of insights and how to stay focused on your personal economy instead of drowning in the big bad economic whirlpool. Plus, I'm going to dish out some simple and effective strategies you can use to help you separate fact from propaganda. So by the end of this episode... Hopefully, you'll be equipped to make smarter financial and life choices. And hey, if you enjoy this podcast, please don't forget to share it with your friends, your family, your colleagues. Okay, so let's dive in. I'll tell you a little quick story. I had a conversation with Jeffrey Gittimer. Now, Jeffrey Gittimer is an author of The Sales Bible, The Little Red Book of Selling, The Little Green Book of Getting Your Way, All About Persuasion, The Little Gold Book of the Yes Attitude, and Getting Shit Done. And he's had a pretty big impact on me. And we were talking about basically what people are seeing right now in the economy. And he said, you know what? Every single person must decide, are you going to concern yourself about the economy or are you going to concern yourself about your personal economy? Each person must decide. And it got me thinking about how important that really is because our entire world in my business, I own an investment company called WealthNet Investments is to help people decipher their personal economy. Because every day we must concern ourselves as investors with the general economy because it affects investments in certain ways. But what makes the biggest impact on your situation is whether or not you're taking care of your own personal economy. So I'm actually gonna break this down into five different summer shorts. And we're gonna talk about several different things. The first topic I'm gonna to talk about is deciphering what's important. So it's really interesting. When I was young, and this was back in the 80s, this is in the, like around 85, there was a recording engineer by the name of Bubba Perone. Now he worked in a really nice studio in Texas and he worked with a lot of different artists, but one artist he was working with was a guy named Michael Morales, who is a Grammy award winning artist. He was signed with Polygram. And well, it was really neat because I was able to take a recording class to learn how to do really high quality recording to make records. And we were spending a ton of time, painstaking amount of time learning about the signal to noise ratio. 
Now, if you're an electrical engineer or if you're somebody who's interested in audio, you know what signal to noise is. It's kind of a ratio. You want to dissect whenever you're recording something and you want to have a pure sound and you want to have clarity. You need to dissect what is noise, that unwanted disturbance in the electrical signal versus what is the meaningful input that you want to hear. And you want to hear it because it's pleasing to the ear. Well, that same concept, I think, is really important for people right now because we're in the midst of a situation where there's going to be tons of noise. And the noise is happening for a few different reasons. The first reason is we have an election coming up. And as we approach the election cycle, the midterm election cycle, that generally increases the noise dramatically. The second reason why we have so much noise is that we have a situation right now structurally where the sources of our information are so many and we have certain dynamics within the media industry that is creating, shall I say, disinformation. And it's hard to know what is signal and what is noise. And in this particular series, I'm going to actually show you some ways to be able to tell the difference between that signal and the noise and how you can find out what's meaningful input for your situation, your personal economy versus the noise, which could actually derail you. If you worry about your investments, need to make complex financial decisions, or pay unnecessary taxes, a lack of proper financial planning and investing may already be costing you a great deal. When you are ready to turn your peace of wealth into peace of mind, go to WealthNetInvest.com and click on the Schedule a Call button to talk to us and get a free consultation today. So I want to talk a little bit about psychology. Now, my team has told me not to talk too much about psychology, but I can't help myself because psychology really drives decisions in many ways, and people make a lot of their worst choices because of the psychology. So right now, you may know this, you may not know this, over one in five or around one in five people today have some form of anxiety or depression. And the pandemic, if you will, has really accelerated that because we've been isolated, we've reconditioned ourselves to not be able to deal effectively with human beings on a face-to-face -face basis. We've had a lot of things that have pushed us and pulled us in different direction, and we've actually been a captive audience to the news media. And this has created anxiety. I was talking to my wife this morning, and I was talking about the cell phone. I remember when I was doing my MBA, it was right as the first cell phone from Apple had come out, the first iPhone. And I worked at the time for a major bank. I was a portfolio manager managing money for this bank. And we were only issued like the Blackberries. And that was the standard back then. And I remember in class when we first started out in our MBA cohort, this is at the University of Denver, nobody had an iPhone. But then towards the end of the first year, people started getting the iPhone. And then I noticed everybody's head as more and more people got the iPhone, their head started going down like this. When we first started, we were all looking at each other, we were engaging, we were writing things down, we were talking, we were in groups. And then slowly, the cohort started looking more and more towards their phones. We took a trip to Brazil, and I saw more and more people with their heads stuck in the phone. At first, I was jealous of that, 
because they would come up to me and say, hey, look, let me get your email. And then they'd get my email from on their phone and they'd be typing in with their thumb. And they were a lot smaller than they are now, the very first one. But it made me realize that the whole technology realm has actually been a big part of this, social media and technology. And I want to talk a little bit about the media. The media is a very interesting phenomenon because I was just doing some research on this because I know people know this, but I think it's really important to understand and to reiterate that the media is really hurting us from knowing what is signal versus noise. One of the biggest parts of media is kind of dissecting who is who, like what type of media you're working with. And I think if you start off with that, it could really be helpful. So some people call like Comcast and the big cable news networks, they kind of call that the mainstream media as well as like the New York Times, your established mainstream media. Well, over the years, What's happened and the facts are that the ownership of these media companies has gotten more and more concentrated. And if you've studied economics, you know that there's this concept of an oligopoly. And when you have less and less providers in an industry, you get kind of an oligopoly type behavior. And typically what that means when one particular provider of a product or service in an oligopoly changes what they do, it affects what everybody else does. Media is a little bit different than other oligopolies. For example, in the oil industry, that tends to be an oligopoly type economy or industry, and there tends to be more price collusion. In media, it's a little bit different. You tend to have more differentiation. In other words, when one particular news media takes a stance on something, you tend to have people moving together to have the same message across the board. And then you have other groups that are tending to be wanting to get a different audience and then completely differentiate. And so what's happening is you have this big bifurcation moving further to one side and further to the other in terms of demographics. And then the vast majority of people, people like you and me, we kind of get lost in the shuffle. And it's no wonder that if you look at the Nielsen ratings, you'll see that the Nielsen ratings show that there's some people don't trust the traditional news media. I was blown away when I saw the statistics. Something like 5%, it ranges, like ABC, only 5% of people trust ABC. 3%, the NBC Nightly News. Now, most of the cable-oriented news, most of those viewers are actually your ABC, NBC, CBS. In fact, they have more viewers than all of Fox News, MSNBC, etc. Within the MSNBC type or the Fox News type media, they tend to have more concentration. In fact, most of the viewership has been in Fox News, which is very interesting to me because of the top 20, I was just looking at the Nielsen ratings of the top 20, 15 of the top 20 shows in that space are all run by Fox News. There is this bifurcation that's happening. But the big story, I think, is that you have all these other alternative media sources. That's the real story, if you ask me. The real story is people are now are watching podcasts. They're listening to Joe Rogan. They're going to uh, listening to the Tomcast. They're going to Google. Google's numbers are enormous, right? YouTube is astronomical. So that's really what's happening. You have, and you also have Facebook and Instagram and Disney, you know, so you have this dispersion of news. And one of the things that happens when you have an oligopoly, and this is really important to understand, is you tend to lose accountability to the public. 
So we've lost some journalistic freedoms. There's been interference, well-documented interference, especially like in the New York Times, for example. You see the interference that's happening with journalism and you're seeing the bifurcation. So how is one to know what is real, what is signal and what is noise? That's what I'm going to be talking about in this series. And not only am I going to be talking about that, I'm also going to be talking about what can you do to understand your personal economy, not the economy, but your personal economy and make better, smart investment choices and financial planning choices. I made the case in the first summer short that we are going to have most likely more noise than ever <laughs> that we've seen in many years, because for many reasons, we have an economy that there's a lot of things going on in the economy that people don't like. We have inflation, even the housing market is slowing down, and we have an election coming up, which generally tends to add to the noise. And as investors, we've had more volatility. And so today, what I'm going to be talking about is protecting your mind and actually what you need to do or what some of the techniques that I have found to be extremely helpful to find out what is the truth or what is as close to truth as we possibly can find. A lot of philosophers have said there's no way to find absolute truth and that may be true, but there is definitely some techniques we can do to help us eliminate the noise and get closer to the truth and make better decisions. So I'm going to talk a little bit about that today because, you know, you have to decide if information is relevant to you first and foremost. So when you have an environment where there's a lot of noise, they're throwing a lot of stuff at us, all the media is throwing a lot of stuff at us, your friends and your family. We have to actually decipher what's important to me. And in order to do that, we need to ask ourselves, like, is this going to make a difference in my life and in my wealth or in my family or my relationships? How does this really affect me? Is this relevant? Should I even make an effort to get an idea about what is truth, what is closer to the truth? Or do you just blow it off? Because I think there's a lot of things out there that we could just literally not even pay attention to. So they may come your way and people are going to be vying for your attention and you really just need to not get sucked into a lot of things. So I think that's the first thing is not getting sucked into things and finding out what is relevant to you and make that decision. Is it worth me actually knowing what is true about this issue? And if it is worth knowing because it's going to be relevant to you, then you have to go through a series of kind of steps to find out what is closer to the truth. Otherwise, don't even waste your time with it because life is too short. Why bother with all of that, all of the noise? That's the whole point. We want to get so closer to the truth. So it really starts off with your sources of information. I was talking to a friend of mine and I was discussing this problem of noise to him. And he says, one of the issues that we have with noise has to do with the fact that the people you surround yourself with are definitely going to either add or subtract from the noise. They may give you more signal, relevant information, or they may be giving you more noise. And one of the things that happens whenever you have more chaos, which I believe we're in a more of a chaotic environment right now, whenever you have more chaos, you're going to find out who your fair-weathered friends are and who your real friends are. I kind of got to thinking about that. That's really true. Some people are really, really good at figuring out who their true friends are. 
there's like levels of acquaintances and all that. But when the chips are down and you really need to have somebody really on your side that could tell you straight and who could really support you, those are your real friends and they will show up and be there for you when times are chaotic. So I would first of all, look around, look at who you're going to be around and protect yourself against being around people that first and foremost may actually get you in a position where you're not feeling good about things because you don't want to lose your confidence when you have chaos around you. You have to keep your confidence. And what this whole series is about is increasing your confidence and making better decisions in the midst of noise. So we're trying to find the truth. So first of all, we want to find out just to find, okay, what is truth? It's very interesting because when you ask somebody what is truth, you're going to get a lot of different answers. But I'll just tell you what my definition of it is. Knowing the truth or as close as you can get to truth is something that you can verify, something that is observable, that you could say is a fact. And we have to actually look at our assumptions. So if we have a topic that's come our way and we've decided, first and foremost, this is relevant and I need to get an understanding about what is true about this, not just listen to what people say and just I guess, agree with it on its face, but to really find out the truth, you have to be confident in your own abilities to see if it's verifiable. So that means you have to ask yourself, what are my assumptions that I'm making about this? And the person or source of information, the news source, the podcast, the YouTube channel, the radio show, whatever it is, what is that source of information? What are the characteristics of that source of information? If you worry about your investments, need to make complex financial decisions, or pay unnecessary taxes, a lack of proper financial planning and investing may already be costing you a great deal. When you are ready to turn your peace of wealth into peace of mind, go to WealthNetInvest.com and click on the Schedule a Call button to talk to us and get a free consultation today. I have some really clear things that I've developed that help me identify how to view a source of information. And this is really basic stuff. And I know it might even seem overly elementary to people, but sometimes the reminder is good. But your source of information, we want to have those be most reliable as possible. And there's really three things that I like to look at. And number one is what is the background of the person or the entity that is giving me this information? What is their education? would be the second thing. And what is their incentives? Incentives is a big one. So let's go through them really quickly. When you're talking about the background, we want to know what are their experiences? Because everybody has advice or news biases and things like that based on their experiences. So it's good to know their background. And the education, obviously, we want to know what level of education they have, both formally and informally. In fact, the more life has had ups and downs in, in my world, I've actually realized that the non-formal education is much, much more important than the formal education. I know people that have gone to prestigious universities and they don't have certain knowledge that's not really helpful. So really, what is their education and how can that put into play? For example, there may be certain doctors that are telling you certain things about the vaccine or something, whatever it may be. And those doctors may have an incredible education and background, like real life background, but the media may not be paying attention to them. I'm just using that as an example because that's kind of been in the news in the last year or so. 
but it could be any topic where you, a lot of times what will happen is you'll have really good sources of information, people who have the perfect background and a perfect education, and they don't have any incentives to tell a non-truth. That was the third part of it, telling a non-truth. They have incentives to say a certain thing, whether they have to follow the money kind of a thing. So if you follow the money and that person has an incentive to have a certain view, then you have to kind of discount that view. But if you have a source that has a good background, good experience, good formal and informal education, and they don't have an incentive to give you information that is false or that is biased, then that's a good source of information and you want to weight that more. But you don't want to go with one source of information. It's better to cross-reference. That's where verifiability comes into play. So in our world as investment managers, a big part of what we do is what I call, well, what's called triangulation, where you have multiple sources that you can logically triangulate into a truth. Some people call this working with what's called first principles, where you say, what do I know with the most certainty that is true? And you start with that first. What do I know to be true at the very basic level, fundamental basic principles, and what can I infer from that and what can I logically move towards? And that will help you make a better decision. So that's the other part of it. So we talked about the background education incentives. The second thing is how can you use logic with first principles, starting with what you know to be true and triangulating into a conclusion. And then the third thing would be to seek different opinions. Don't just go and listen to CNN or just don't just listen to Fox. Don't just read the New York Times. There's certain people that I respect very much, but every time I talk to them, the, every source they talk about is the New York Times. Or every time I talk to them, the source is Fox News. Sometimes and a lot of times I was talking to a friend of mine and I said, you know what? The truth is usually somewhere in between. Sometimes it's all the way one way or the other, but if you don't have a diverse opinion set and people with the background education incentives, you put that all together, you've got a really good chance if you use logic to get closer to the truth. So I want to talk about another part about how we can get to the truth. It's really, really important to understand why we have so much fog. It's almost like the term fog of war. You may have heard of that term, there's fog of war. And that's just because people just throw up smoke, right? There's a lot of reasons why that happens. But it's important for us to understand that because as we get into a more political environment during an election, that politicians tend to want to simplify messages because it's very easy to spread a message very quickly if it's easy to understand and if it's simple. The problem is, is that the world is not simple. And there's a lot of nuance in the world. Like right now, a lot of people talking about abortion and that issue is not black and white. It's not really far on one side. It's like you can take a stance that's really far on one side or the other. But reality is somewhere that is more nuanced. So it's important to take these simple messages and deconstruct them. That means pull them apart. And to avoid labels, you know, you hear these labels all the time and politicians love to use labels. And so does the media. And what those labels do is they keep you from getting to the truth because they mask and they categorize and they bundle concepts together and people will make assumptions. The main reason why truth is not found a lot of times is because we make assumptions based on labels and oversimplified messages. You have to deconstruct them. So first thing to do is recognize that a label is being used. If you notice that there's a label being used, try to just ignore the label and then try to to ask questions with your sources or to yourself as far as to do more research and find out what are the elements of that label 
not just a blanket thing like conservative or Democrat or left or right or whatever it may be, or oil companies are bad or whatever it is, or electric companies are good or Elon Musk is bad, or there's just all these different ways that we can label things. It's definitely more nuanced in the real world. So we have to do that. So the last thing I wanted to mention about that is that support is a big part of this. I talked earlier about people that are around you. We have to identify who our phony friends are and who our real friends are. And the way you figure this out, and my buddy James gave me this, and I think it's brilliant, and I know it's so overly simple, but it's true, in my opinion. The way you figure it out is the golden rule. How does a person treat you, like when times are rough or when times are chaotic and you're trying to figure stuff out, Are they treating you how you would like to be treated? Are you treating them how they would like to be treated? It's all about the golden rule. The more a person treats you like you would like to be treated during times of chaos or uncertainty, the more chance that that's a real friend and somebody that can be emotionally and logically behind you that will tell you the truth and that will also help you make better decisions. So I just want to just wrap that up and just say, when you're finding the truth, you have to protect your mind You have to find out what's a verifiable, observable facts. And the way you do that is by looking at your sources of information, the background education incentives, and then use logic with first principles to logically triangulate into what is most likely to be true and to seek different opinions with those right litmus tests, the right characteristics that you're looking for. And then you have to deconstruct oversimplified messages and labels And you have to recognize that you need a lot of support when the noise gets high. Today, I'm going to be talking about the cycle of emotions and avoiding the noise that comes from the cycle of emotions. The reason why I'm bringing this up is because when we have a bear market, which arguably we are in a bear market in the stock market right now. There is a sequence of emotional events that tend to happen throughout history. Now, in my hand right now, I have a book written by Frost and Prechter. It's called The Elliott Wave Principle. This is one book that kind of talks about the cycle of emotion. And there's others out there like the madness and delusions of crowds. And sometimes it's really important to understand and try to see what kind of fish bowl we're in right now. I don't know if you've ever seen that picture of the goldfish that's in a bowl and jumping out of the fish bowl. When you're in the water and you're a fish, you don't really see the water. And sometimes we have to actually step outside of ourselves and try to look about what's happening and understand what's happening in the overall and understand what's happening. So I want to go through some of the basics of the cycle of emotion when you're in periods like right now. And it starts off at the top of the market. Now, it wasn't very long ago, January of this year, we were at a peak in the market and everything looked great. Everybody was talking about how their home prices have gone up. Everybody was feeling good inside. And in the meantime, valuations were really strong and the market started coming down a little bit, but nobody believed that there was a problem. So the first phase of the cycle of emotion is disbelief. During this period of time, when the market starts going down, the economy starts slowing down, smart money is already selling into this. But the vast majority of the population has a disbelief. They're still, I wouldn't say delusional at this point, but they're just going status quo. They don't really, maybe not 
tracking it as much and they don't realize that we're at a top. So it feels like we've already gone past that, that cycle of emotion. It's kind of a disbelief. I feel like we're finally getting past the disbelief phase because it really wasn't. But a couple of weeks ago, people were still saying, hey, look, employment is still good. Our government officials, by the way, were telling us that everything was fine. We're raising rates, but everything is good. We'll be able to withstand this. So that disbelief is now becoming into the next phase, which is hope. Uh, this is where I think we are right now. Hope is basically characterized by people being kind of frozen. The average investor, I think the average person is just like, well, it always goes up in the end and they're kind of frozen or they're just not sure what to do. It's, I don't want to say it's like a deer in the headlights, but it's like that. It's not quite that bad. But in that hope phase, there's a lot of people that will be coming out and they'll say, we're bottoming right now. This is a buying opportunity. Always buy the dip. And the reason why this is the case is because when the market is moving higher and higher all along the way, the right thing to do was to buy the dip. So after you come out of a recession, things go positive and there's a whole nother cycle of emotions that go through bull markets, which we're not going to cover today. But as you're going through, buying the dip was the right thing to do until it's the wrong thing to do. And that happens when you start entering the bear market. So I think right now we had that first little dip that was only down like 10% or so. And there was a lot of hope. It's like buy the dip, buy the dip, buy the dip. That's what everybody was saying. And then we rolled over. And one of the things I've talked about is that volatility is higher. You have these big up days in bear markets that you don't see necessarily in bull markets, which is counterintuitive, but volatility is higher on the way down. So anyhow, so this cycle of emotion goes to this frozen state of hope. And then what happens is it becomes a realization and an understanding and then the masses slowly get it. And then you generally have a fear, panic or a throw in the towel type of a move. So the fundamentals are always lagging, by the way. When I say fundamentals, I mean the earnings, the GDP growth, the unemployment figures, all those things that you learn in business school. Prices tend to lead that. So prices will start telling you what's going to happen. Sometimes prices are wrong. Where we are right now, I believe the prices are not wrong. I believe the prices are actually telling us something that's important. So inflation has a big, big effect. And I think a lot of people were just saying, hey, inflation was, is going to be transitory. There was a big buy the dip type of a thing. And then now it's like, well, maybe it's not transitory. And then now it's like, wow, well, inflation is a problem. We have to deal with it. And we're jumping and we're increasing interest rates rather dramatically. It's been a long time since we've had a 0.75% increase in one Fed meeting. And if you look at inflation where it is right now relative to the interest rates, we're behind the eight ball here. And this is the real issue. So if that is true, then we could be setting ourselves up for moving into that last phase where there's fear and panic. A lot of people have not sold at all have not reduced risk in any way. A lot of people think I'm a buy and hold investor. And one of the things that happens is, and I've seen this happen several times in my career, people start thinking I'm just going to index for the long term. That's always good. And I don't need to, I can handle it and all that stuff. And then you hit a 50% decline or a 35% decline and people sell and people sell at the wrong time. All of a sudden that long-term plan doesn't work. There's that old saying, you know, you always have a plan until you get punched in the face kind of a thing. So preparing is really important. One thing we know for sure, this is not your parents' economy. I want to make available to you a copy of my book, The Financial Freedom Blueprint. 
the very first chapter you can download for free. And in that chapter, you'll learn on ways to stay ahead of the herd, how to invest in this crazy environment, and how to make sure your financial plans are on track. So go to pathtorealwealth.com and download your free copy today. Again, let's go through those cycle emotions. It's disbelief, smart money is selling, then it goes to hope, and then there's people are kind of frozen. There's a hope that the market's going to go up. And then it turns into a fear and a panic throw in the towel type move. And that last move can be pretty dramatic and pretty quick. And sometimes you can have 15, 20%, 25% declines from there. What the good news is, is that a lot of the money that is made after you've had this cycle of emotion. So it's our job as smart people to not fall into that. So I want to talk a little bit about how to avoid that cycle of emotion and to avoid the noise. This is all about us staying solid as a rock. I heard an analogy from Marcus Aurelius, who is a Roman emperor who was like a really amazing philosopher, talked about how I want to be the rock that is being crashed over the waves. Things are moving around chaotic about me, but I'm a rock throughout this all because I have fundamental principles. And that's what we want to be. We want to be like a solid foundation, a rock with fundamental principles along the way. So here's what it really entails. Number one is have a good flight plan. You have to have things thought out in advance. So if you have a good flight plan, then you know what you're going to do regardless of what happens, right? Secondly is you have to acknowledge when there's turbulence. Instead of just hoping that things are okay, really try to be objective and look and see and acknowledge the turbulences that is around you. And the third thing is to have a detailed plan on what you're going to do about it. And I know this is so basic, but it's absolutely critical to know what you're going to do about it and to have commit yourself to regularly reviewing things and to land the plane safely. It's like a good pilot, you know, a good pilot. If you go into some turbulence, they're going to pick up the monitor and they're going to tell you, you know what, we were hitting some turbulence, acknowledging that we're having some turbulence. And what we're seeing is a wind out of the north and we've made an adjustment. We're going to do this and that's going to be here. We got a great flight plan in place and here's what we're doing about it and I'm going to let you know when things we've turned that corner and we're going to regularly review that and land the plane safely. The same concept for your own personal well-being, avoiding the cycle of emotion and having good advisors who have this philosophy that have a good flight plan, help you develop a good flight plan, acknowledge when things are not being just this buy and hope and just let things ride. Somebody who acknowledges what is happening has a detailed plan about what they're going to do about it and regularly review and communicate with you and you communicate with them. If you do your own investing, you do that with yourself. You have a good flight plan, know what you're going to do, see what's happening around you. But instead of focusing in on the news and that cycle of emotion, understand that these cycles happen. Many experienced investors probably are already doing that now, but it's a good reminder for us to think about that. So that's what today's summer short is about the cycle of emotion, how to recognize, be like that fish that jumped out of the fishbowl and see the water, recognize what we're doing, what type of emotional cycle we're in, see and have a good flight plan, make those adjustments and commit to regularly reviewing. Defining your personal economy. And I'm going to talk about seven specific steps to help you map your future and to stay like a rock 
that is near the ocean that stays firm, even though chaotic waves are crashing around them. So the idea is for you to have the ability to be focused on what is right for your personal economy. And it starts by defining it. Now, there's seven steps that actually help people define their personal economy. And I talk about this in depth in my book, The Financial Freedom Blueprint. You can actually go, by the way, if you want to know more about the book, pick up the book. You can get a signed copy by going to pathtorealwealth.com. That's pathtorealwealth.com. But anyway, I'm going to be talking about the seven steps to map your future that will help you be that rock during turbulent times. So the first thing that we want to make sure that we're doing when we have the noise all around us is we want to avoid making mistakes. And that means understanding that in order for us to avoid making mistakes, we're going to need to know what's true. We're going to need to deal with the cycle of emotion. We've kind of talked about that. But it's also important to know that you're a human being. Obviously, you're not a number because a lot of people out there will actually try to bucket you and your whole family, your finances into some kind of tidy little box and tell you you are categorized in this little box and therefore you should behave financially in a certain way. And you're not a box. You're a human being, not a number. You have a family. You have different situations regarding your personal situation. So you want to make smart financial choices by having checkpoints to keep on track despite what's happening around you. So a computer is not going to know your family goals. It's not going to know your circumstances. You are a unique person that requires a tailored solution to your financial situation. So when we're talking about getting rid of the noise, these are the seven steps. So the first step, we have to start by looking at our purpose and values. So it really starts by looking within. Step one is to identify and prioritize your particular objectives. Forget about what everybody else is telling you. Everybody's going to want to tell you what your goals are. Only you know your goals. And so you have to really look at what is my purpose? What are my values that I have? What are the opportunities that I see that are out there? Are there any threats that are directly affecting me? So when it comes to the overall economy, the overall economy is only important to the degree that it affects your personal situation. So you have to be really aware of that. So you have to really think about visualizing your future and transforming your future into goals and looking at the wider impact of your goals really among all of your loved ones, your family members, et cetera, et cetera. So that's the first step is to go through and visualize your future and look at that, your objective, stay focused on that because your decisions about your finance, your finances, they have to support your own relationships and your own activities that you enjoy. Money alone is not going to make you happy. We know this. We have a lot of rich clients that are not happy. We have some not so rich clients that are happier, but money is always a part of people's happiness. It makes things a little bit easier for people. but. Focus on your goals and their impact. And there's a viewpoint that you need to look at that I think is the best way to look at it, is to grade your goals and say, okay, what is urgent right now in my life? What is the most pressing, urgent thing? And how does that affect my relationships? How does that affect my passions? What am I really passionate about? How is my health? Am I connecting spiritually? If you have a spiritual, I believe everybody has some element of spirituality, but whatever that may be for you, is that really being incorporated in your life so you can stay grounded? It's really important to stay grounded during periods of chaos. So that's step number one is to just go ahead and it's almost like a little bit of an inventory about what you're going to do. Now, when you're thinking about these goals, it's really important for you to say, okay, I'm going to actually do this in a deliberate way. 
So the second step is really to gather and organize yourself. So in order for you to multiply your happiness and to multiply your ability to stay solid, you have to be organized and gather your information. So step two is really just to take the time. Summer is a perfect time to take the time to gather your stuff, take an inventory of all your assets, all the money that you owe, what your income has been, and really look at it from an objective standpoint. Step three is you really want to say, okay, I've got this vision about what I'm trying to do. I know clearly where I am right now because I've taken the time and I've slowed everything down. Everybody wants you to speed things up when there's a lot of noise around you. That's not what you want to do. You want to slow things down and you want to say, okay, where am I? So step three is to actually analyze. And that could be, you probably are going to need some help unless you're a financial person or you may need other types of professionals other than financial in this kind of a realm and this part of this. You want to be able to bounce those ideas and analyze the situation that you're in so that you could see how can I go from where I am right now and really stay firm and move in the right direction despite what's happening around me. So that's step three, analyzing your current situation. Step number four is to really come up with that solution. So coming up with a solution is almost like a light bulb moment. Sometimes you could be working on it, looking at it, working on it, and then all of a sudden things come together and you go, oh, this is what the solution is. And that will come clear to you if you are following these guidelines of knowing what's true, avoiding the noise, focus on the signal, not the noise, and you've identified your goals and you've gathered your information and you've talked to people that are important then it's easier for you to come up with that solution and that solution becomes extremely clear and it will just pop in your mind and you'll know. And then you actually do it. You implement it. And if you're dealing with the investment world, then you're dealing with kind of coming up with that policy of how you're going to invest. That would be step five. And step six would be how I'm going to actually implement that because Wherever you are right now and as things are changing, you've got the economy and the world is going to change. It's definitely going to change in the next year. So what is your plan for that? You remember we talked about the flight plan in the prior episode. I talked about, okay, if you've identified and look at things realistically, you and your advisors, then it's easy for you to stay grounded to know that you're actually taking an appropriate action for what's happening around you and being clear about that. But being that implementation is going from what you know you need to do versus how you're actually going to do it. And that takes actually a combination of two different skill sets. And I actually wrote a letter to my children about this because I believe happiness is really driven by the ability for individuals to combine the creativity, the creativity of creating something new, something out of nothing, having that creativity, and then also having a logistical mindset. That's the second part. The logistical mindset's more like blocking and tackling, like what order do I need to do things? Who is really good at these areas that I don't know about? And how am I going to actually implement it? That's logistical thinking. So if you combine that creativity, which gives you the ability to know what to do or to know what you're trying to achieve and the logistics where you break it down that's really when you combine those that's really where you get to where you want to go so as you get this going as all this chaos is going around you if you monitor your progress you have to commit to yourself I am going to communicate either with myself or with my advisors and people that I trust I'm going to communicate regularly I actually set up a weekly coffee call with some people that I trust and know it's just a standing thing on Mondays at this time early in the morning we're going to be having coffee over here if you can join great 
and people come when they can come and that gives us an opportunity to talk about things and it's amazing what can get done in a coffee shop more can get done there i don't think a bar is the place you know you see you hear people say oh go to a bar and i think having a cup of coffee early in the morning with the right people more can get done but monitoring regularly and bouncing ideas off you commit to yourself that you're going to do that if you follow those seven steps and you've got all this chaos going around you i promise you're going to have a much better emotional state and you're going to have a much better life during this time so if we get into some craziness maybe i'm completely wrong maybe we don't have a crazy type of chaotic environment but if we do this will definitely help and now i'm going to be talking about expanding beyond your current economy expanding your personal finances in a way that is going to help you thrive regardless of what happens a lot of people almost everybody i talk to in their mind they're talking about wow i need to make some changes somehow either financially or personal in some way and a lot of times when you have big change that is happening like we're seeing right now we're having a lot of change politically and socially and economic we have lots of inflation things like that all of that rolls up together into periods of time when really the collective really humanity is in need of making changes and we have a way that we can make a change that is really bad or we can make changes that are really good my hope is that these summer shorts can help you personally find some ideas even one idea that's going to help you make better choices and move towards the good in your life and in your family's life so expanding your personal economy has to do with solving problems really i love the quote Albert Einstein said something that was really interesting. He said, we can't solve problems by using the same kind of thinking we used when we created the problem. So we're in that scenario right now where we collectively have created many problems for ourselves. And now we need to change the way we're thinking. The current way that we're thinking, whether it be about politics or our current financial situation or about our kids or about anything in our personal life, if we're having some issues and something is making us experience negativity in any way, chances are we've got to change our thinking. We need to, the cliche, think outside the box. Well, I like to think of it more of being beyond your current economy. So thinking beyond what is happening right now requires you to think differently. John F. Kennedy, he had a really famous speech where he said the word crisis in Chinese is really a combination of two words, one meaning danger and the other meaning opportunity. Well, it's not 100% true. If you look at the etymology of that, it really breaks down to a combination of the word dangerous and then a change point. And that change point can go one way or the other in a crisis. A crisis can turn into a malaise that lasts forever or lasts a long period of time and it may take years and years for you to recover from or you can be resilient and you can change and go into a new opportunity that actually expands you beyond your prior high point and whatever you're measuring so what i'm talking about now are techniques that we can use that will help us expand beyond our high point to reach new limits be beyond where we were before in how we think in how we live our lives and in particular how we invest because i'm in the investment world so that's really what i want to be talking about okay so there's something i learned a while years ago 
you may know that I'm a big fan of Dan Sullivan, who is the founder of Strategic Coach. You could check him out. We'll put something in the show notes. You could see, uh, lead you to his link. It's strategiccoach.com. But anyway, one of the things that Dan Sullivan really talks about is how you can expand or you could change and transform your experiences, in particular, your negative experiences. It can be positive too, but in this case, we're going to be talking about negative experiences. You can take a negative experience, a negative experience and say, I'm going to transform that and learn from that and actually expand beyond. I just think that that concept makes a lot of sense. And it's really not anything so difficult other than to change the way you think. So first you have to kind of understand why the heck am I having a negative experience, whether it be with my investments or whether it be with my whatever relationships. And what exactly is that negative experience? Just really clearly spell it out. And you have to tell the truth about what it is. Once you've done that, now you can say, okay, what's working right now? Because really inevitably, almost always, there's something working well in that realm of that experience that you're dealing with, that situation that you're having. It's important to know what's working well, because you may not want to change those things that are working well. But what's working now, and if you can't really think of anything, you could say, well, what could be working well? and what could be working now. If you worry about your investments, need to make complex financial decisions, or pay unnecessary taxes, a lack of proper financial planning and investing may already be costing you a great deal. When you are ready to turn your peace of wealth into peace of mind, go to wealthnetinvest.com and click on the schedule a call button to talk to us and get a free consultation today. And then once you've done that, say, okay, now what's not working? And that's really what's been driving you typically drives why you even do this exercise, but what's not working and list them out very specifically what's not working. And then this question blew my mind when I heard Dan Sullivan say it, he said, knowing what I know now, what would I change? And that's such a powerful, simple question, but knowing what I know now, what would I change? You can't go back and change it, but you can actually learn and list that out. Now, these are things that everybody knows in their heart of hearts to do, but rarely sequentially and writing it down really helps. Write it down. Knowing what I know now, what would I change? What would I have done differently? And then you just take each one of those items. You say, okay, now what policy am I going to make for myself and what action plan am I going to make for myself? for each one of those items. It's incredible what can happen from there, but because you may just get one idea that could literally change the entire issue. But when it comes to investing, a lot of people are facing that. They need to go through this type of a problem because we have some situations that are difficult in the investment world. We have to understand that there are limitations, right? Okay. I just had a podcast interview with Rob Carver. He's a former analyst and portfolio manager for a very large hedge fund, multi-billion dollar hedge fund. Very smart person. And I can't wait to share that particular interview with you. But anyway, when we were having that conversation, I was asking him about the problem of the 60-40 portfolio, meaning most people out there in the marketplace have portfolios, retirement accounts, et cetera, that have 60% bond, 40% stock, or 60% stock, 40% bond, and or something like that, and maybe they have some diversification in other types of assets. But the problem that a lot of people are facing right now, if we have rising inflation, which can continue, inflation continues, then rates would go up and bond prices would go down, which means you lose money in bonds. And if stock prices are really high and in their valuation because 
they've just gone up a lot, then stocks could go down. So you're not going to get diversification by having 60-40, all assets could go down. And this is a challenge that many people are facing. You have to think beyond the current situation. And we started to talking about various things, ways that you could deal with that because a lot of people have limitations. Now, there are certain limitations that people have that are real and some that are false. So it's important to understand what limitations you really have. So from the real limitation standpoint, many people have retirement accounts where they cannot short. It's just a regulatory thing you cannot short in. Basically, you can't directly short in a retirement account. You may not be able to use margin to do certain types of strategies that do well in th this type of environment. So there's some issues with that. Maybe you don't have access to certain types of instruments that could be doing well, like long, short, managed futures, things like that, which tend to really help out in periods like we are experiencing today. So you have to understand if you're in that situation, there's certain things to do. Like for example, you could tactically have tactical movements between stocks and bonds. There's evidence that that could really help you. You could be more diversified within stocks and bonds rather than being market cap weighted, which most people are mostly market cap weighted. It's just the way it is. You could maximize your diversification by having much more broadness in your opportunities that you're willing to look at. And you could invest in long, short global macro funds rather than doing them directly yourself that can go anywhere. Stocks, bonds, commodities, currencies, long, short around the world. And maybe you could invest in individual stocks rather than funds so you can have less homogenous returns and be more focused in the areas that are doing well, especially during an inflation environment. So all of these things are ideas of going beyond your current state to do better. And I think this is just one example. And I think this concept is affecting a lot of areas of people's lives. This way of thinking can really help people think and go beyond the current situation and become a winner in times that are chaotic around us. So I wanted to mention also, I'm going to actually be talking about specific ways to think beyond your investment strategy. I'm going to be on the money show in August. And I believe they're going to actually do that one on zoom. Normally they do them live, but I think because of various constraints with politics <laughs> regarding COVID, it's not going to be out there. So I think it's going to be a Zoom. But anyhow, I'm going to be talking about making money in times of inflation, which a lot of different ways that you can preserve your capital and, and not lose a lot like which many people may. So during times of inflation, we have high valuations, et cetera, et cetera. You can have active management. I'm going to uncover some active management strategies that can increase potential returns during these times. I bring that up because I want to be able to help people as much as possible in this environment. And that's why I have these summer shorts, because I think that it's important for us to think beyond the media and to start finding truth ourselves. And many of you are already doing lots of these things. I just, I think it's just a good reminder. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed the summer shorts. I enjoyed making it and I look forward to talking to you guys later. Have a great summer and enjoy yourself. Talk to you later. For the latest episode of the Market Call Show, make sure to like, subscribe, and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Go to marketcallshow.com for all our past episodes and sign up to get alerts for new episodes. If you enjoy the content of this episode, please leave us a five-star review and comments. The information in this podcast is informational and general in nature and does not take into consideration the listener's personal circumstances. 
Therefore, it is not intended to be a substitute for specific, individualized financial, legal, or tax advice. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a final decision. WealthNet Investments is a registered investment advisor. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where WealthNet Investments and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure.